Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. He who lacks these virtues, these qualities, blind, being short-sighted, Now, this is the thought. Having forgotten that he was cleansed or purified from his former sins. What does that mean? What does it mean, the word cleansed? It's purification. Some of the versions give it, he has forgotten that he was purified from his former sins. It's the word catharismos. We get, have you heard the word catharsis? It's a catharsis. It's something that cleanses. It's something that brings about peace in your life. You know, our Baptist forefathers, they were called Cathari from this very word. They were called Cathari because they demanded pure lives. Not that everybody could be perfect, but they wanted purity in their life. And then when we fell down, that's okay, we're going to get up and we're going to go again. We're going to keep striving. We're going to keep pushing on. And that's the idea. We cleanse our old ways. We're not going to walk like we used to walk. We're going to walk in the ways that give God the honor and the glory. You see, that's what he's looking at here. That's what the word, that's why they called our forefathers Cathari. You're one of those Puritans, huh? You believe you've got to live that pure lifestyle. We're going to live like we want. Even though they said, oh, we're Christians, but we are going to live in this world and enjoy all that this world has. So they were called Cathari because of their clean lifestyle. But this person has forgotten that he was cleansed. What does that mean? He's forgotten that he was saved from his old lifestyle. He forgot that he is saved from his former sins. And so what Peter is saying here is a person who has been saved, who has gone through can I say it's salvation event in which he was purified from his old sinful life? He's forgotten it. He can no longer remember. Because he's seeing his life without the increase of these virtues. He's seeing no moral increase, no moral virtue. There's no evidence of salvation. And where you have the assurance of the increase of the virtues of this moral virtue, you you're able just to fight off that thought of the lack of assurance of salvation. One's assurance of salvation is directly related to what they're doing in life. That's what Peter's saying. It's directly related to what you're doing. And one's assurance is going to be there and seeing God working in you and God increasing in your life and bringing their great things. But this phrase he has forgotten literally to receive forgetfulness or to incur forgetfulness. That's the actual idea. That God allows them even to forget what they've done. So the failure to diligently pursue these spiritual virtues, it produces spiritual amnesia. 
The failure to pursue moral excellence in one's life, the failure to pursue these seven virtues, it will dim your vision. You won't be able to see much. You can't see very far. Have you ever gotten up and it was pitch black at night? You just couldn't see and then pretty soon, what? You're stumbling along. Hit your foot. Hit the knee because you didn't see that table there. Whatever it might be. That's the idea of this. That we become so spiritually short-sighted. We didn't see and we stumble, we fall, we hit something. So there's no memory of this person. And option number two, no memory of salvation at some point. And no one will know whether he's really saved. He may remember some external activity that he might have gone through at one moment and have confidence that, well, that's what I said. And one commentator says this, the knowledge of Jesus Christ recorded at conversion came as illumination to those who were blind in their pagan ignorance. But Christians who do not carry through the moral implications of this knowledge have become effectively become blind to it again. That kind of short-sightedness, that kind of forgetfulness leads to repeating old sins. So there we have two options. The believer who has these qualities and virtues, they're increasing. He's going to enjoy assurance because he'll see the fruit and the usefulness that God is working in his own life. And he'll see that He's in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on the other hand, a believer who does not pursue these virtues and lacks these qualities increasing will forfeit assurance. There's no assurance. And as we noted, the effort prescribed, the diligent pursuit, the the virtues pursued, he lays out the very essence of the virtues that must be increasing in our lives. Otherwise, the options that he's presented just there. Let's look at 10 and 11. Glory, I think we can get through this. They benefit because I believe that the Lord wants you to recognize the great benefit of following His Word. There is always a benefit in our lives when we apply God's Word to our life. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the benefit. In order to pull all of Peter's argument, he develops the benefits. And this is really the whole argument at a great climax. He's saying, therefore, brother. Now, the word therefore, it kind of ties everything together. And it's the basis for saying... Now, everything that I've said up to this point, all of that, therefore, brethren, all be all the more diligent to make certain your calling and election. And obviously, because of what he has said, we should be compelled to make our calling certain because of the tragedy of option number two, the failures of two. We want to avoid it. So verse 10 calls us to move toward option one. wants us to go back to verse 8. And in verse 10, he sounds an awful lot like verse 5, doesn't he? Because back in verse 5, but for this very reason, giving all diligence, look what he says there. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent, or put more and more diligence toward this. It's the identical phrase. Be all more diligent. Make an even greater effort 
It carries the idea of eagerness. It carries the idea of urgency. To do what? There's an urgency to make certain. It's the middle voice verb. And it just means to make certain for yourself. It's interesting because sometimes we can't see that. Why do we have to make certain for ourselves? Because God already knows. You don't have to tell God. God knows where you stand. So it's that firm, it's secure. It's there to let you know, to attest, to confirm, to just certify. The word is kind of a legal guarantee. But we're making sure for us. Because God knows. He knows if you were saved. We don't have to convince Him. right? He's already written it down. God doesn't have any doubt about it. We might suffer doubt. But God knows because you, He saved you. But we need the assurance ourselves. Hi. Let me interrupt for just a moment and update you with some information. You can now contact us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. We also now live stream services on landmarkstockton, all one word, dot com. Or you can see us on Facebook at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Stockton. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love to send you information. So thank you, and back to our podcast. But do you have that assurance? Do you have that confidence? Be diligent to make certain that you do. That's what he's saying. How do you do that? Follow along here, verse 10. For as long as these practices, as, as long as you practice these things, that's the idea. As long as you practice, in other words, as long as you pursue these moral virtues, as long as you're pursuing and increasing in these virtues, as long as you're pursuing a holy life, it's reducing it down kind of to the simplest terms, as long as you're growing spiritual growth, I will guarantee you by demonstration you were called that you were saved. And I'll tell you that there is a wonderful confidence there. Now we see the calling and election. Now calling was when you were saved. Election is the kind of life that you live. That's what he's done. Every time he talks about election, don't worry, we're not becoming Calvinists. That's not what the word means. It means the practical lifestyle, how you apply God's word. Every time he talks about election, it tells you this is how you should live. The idea is then, as long as you practice these things, present active participle. I don't want to Greek you to death, but I want you to get the sense of this. The pattern of daily conduct. In other words, I do this today, and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And I'm going to keep on doing it every day after. It, it is present and it's active in my life. You get that idea? As long as I keep pursuing this today, Tomorrow, until the Lord comes, I'm going to keep on. You will never stumble, he says. That's the end result. You won't stumble. You're not going to stagger. You're not going to fall into doubt. You're not going to fall into despair. You're not going to fall into depression or grief or fear about your spiritual condition. And Paul, sitting in a dungeon, he didn't fear of his spiritual condition. Now, he knew things weren't looking good, but he wasn't in fear because he had the assurance, because he had seen God working in his life. He had made that calling and election sure in his mind. Because you're pursuing these virtues, you see them increase. 
You know that God is producing them in your life. We can't do it. And because you see it, it's visible, it's evidence, you know your spiritual condition. Does that make sense? It's that simple. You see because God has called you and by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you have confidence and knowledge that you enjoy the assurance. And that is a thrilling blessing. It makes you rich spiritually. And that's what Peter's saying, is that assurance is directly tied to how you live your life. It's right there. Everybody would like to be sure about their salvation. Nobody wants to live in doubt. Am I saved? Am I lost? And yet, I would guess that many, if not most Christians, sometimes we do doubt. Not uncommon. Some people say, well, all you have to do to be assured is to go back to that point where you signed on the dotted line and you said, yes, I said these words. And that's not really what the Scripture says. If you want to make your calling and election sure, you're going to be making it sure by allowing God to work in your life and seeing what He produces in you and seeing Him work and bringing about the evidence. And that's produced by the Spirit of God as you pursue these virtues. Does that make sense? And so as you're seeking to pursue these things, you see the usefulness, the fruitfulness, the love of God increasing in your life. You're not going to stumble into doubt, despair, fear, questioning. And that leads us to verse 11. We're getting to the culmination of all that Peter says here. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this entrance, the verse really needs some careful thought because he says, first of all, for in this way, what way? By the diligent pursuit of these virtues and the blessings that they bring, the blessings of assurance, the blessings of perseverance, if you pursue these diligently, he says, and now notice that again, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. What's he saying? He's saying there's future benefit as well. When you enter into the eternal kingdom, you will receive an abundant reward. That, to me, is one of the simplest and most direct understanding, I think, of this whole statement. Here is another feature of the promise of our inheritance. If you pursue virtue in your life, you'll not only enjoy assurance here, but you'll enjoy a reward in the life to come. Does this make sense? The entrance into the eternal kingdom looks at our hope in the future. Now, we've already entered the kingdom at salvation. We became a child of God. We became a child of the king. We're now citizens of another country. Citizens heading, and now we're pilgrims headed to a new country. And the entrance into that kingdom looks to the hope in the future. Now we've already attained the entrance at salvation. We pass from death into life, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. But now we're living in the present form in this kingdom and we are under the rule of Christ and we are in the kingdom in that sense. Christ is the king, but we're still looking for the future fulfillment, the eternal kingdom. And this part of the kingdom in which we live now is associated with our salvation and we have entered into that kingdom by way of salvation. We receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing now. 
but the eternal feature of the kingdom, that which is in full fruition in the future. It's the blessing of eternal reward. It's beyond time. It's beyond space. It is in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And at that time, there will be an abundant supply to us because we diligently and faithfully pursued these virtues. How do you want to be laying up treasure in heaven? Pursue these virtues. And this is that goal of our pilgrimage. Some people would just lead you to believe that you can come to Christ and believe in Him in a moment, then live any way that you want. God will begin to bring about chastisement and turn you to try to get you to see that, wait a minute, there's a responsibility to the Christian life. Some people might even say it's nice if you decide to pursue moral virtue, but if you don't want to, you'll still get in the kingdom. And that's true if you're only a Christian and you opt for option number two and where there's always doubt. And if you don't pursue moral virtue and if you want to live in doubt, you want to live in depression and you want to live in fear, you want to live in despair and you want to worry about your spiritual condition and you'll wonder about whether you're really saved, the Lord says He'll allow you to do that. But if you want to increase the kingdom with abundance. Now, I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to be at the supper. I don't want to be doing dishes. Now, maybe that's just... I, one day, I helped out a friend, and he was a dishwasher in an Italian restaurant. I'd never do that again. These cooks spoke very little English, and they would cook something up. they cook a lasagna in the pan. they say, hey, boy! And they throw the pan at you. <laughs> and I was like, whoa! You know, I'd let this thing fall and stuff splatter everywhere. Well, who had to clean that up? Now, I don't think that's the way it's going to be in heaven. But I don't want to be doing dishes. I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? I want to come in with a full abundance. Now, maybe I'm just taking earthly thoughts. But I want you to see the eternal value of receiving the great rewards of grace and eternity that correspond to our works in the grace in time. And there will be a degree of rewards in glory. And it's proportionate to our faithfulness in this life. At salvation, it's done. You are going to enter the kingdom. It's taken care of. So summing it up, if you pursue the virtue in this life, diligently you're going to receive two things here and now. You receive the assurance of salvation then and now, and then you receive the abundant blessing in the eternal kingdom. That's the promise of God. It's that if I pursue in this life, I'll enjoy it in the next life. And it, I am assured of my eternal home, but I'm going to enjoy it because there will be even greater rewards for my diligence by the Spirit of God, by God's power. So for the diligent Christian, there's two promises here. Assurance in this life and abundance in the life to come. I want to say you won't be doing dishes. Now, I did have a friend in the scullery in prison, and he loved doing dishes. He loved working in the scullery. A hot, sweaty, steamy, but he wanted to do it because he wanted to make sure every plate and platter was clean so that he didn't get sick, so he didn't pass it on. But he did it out of a heart because he was a child of God. He did it out of a heart of service. So you know what? There is a place. There is a place. But you see, don't you want to come in with the greatest abundance? Don't you want to come in with the greatest assurance? 
It's enough. And I've said from the very beginning of this verse to tell somebody about their assurances based truly on whether or not they know Christ. They probably won't believe it if there is an absence of any fruit in your life. If you tell people you're a Christian and they can't tell any difference, watch out. How can I really know I'm saved? One, because I followed God's word and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And then I begin to see the fruitfulness I'm diligently supplying, I'm diligently working, I'm diligently going after. And if I doubt, and if I question, if I live in fear, then I may not be saved. It's because those things are not increasing in my life. So we've answered the question. We've answered the question of what Peter is talking about. The question here, how can I have assurance of my salvation? How can I have that assurance that whatever this life throws at me, I know that He has saved me. It's all the work of grace. It's all that He's done. But now I want to diligently pursue because I love Him. Because I want to give Him honor and glory. And then He adds the eternal blessings as a result. He adds all of that. And so we're just back saying, glory! It was all God. It was all that He could do. Because He keeps working in your life, but He wants you to diligently pursue. He wants you to go after it. He wants you to be working toward those things. We can't just sit back and say, well, let go, let God. We're going to actively seek to add to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, perseverance, godliness, moral virtues in our life, brotherly kindness, love. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at scl.com of ministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.